And then my personal favorite, Walmart. We put the W in Walmart. <laughs> I like that. I promise this is going somewhere, okay? So I, I was digging through, I was having fun with these mission statements. I think somebody was trying to take a picture. You might want to go back and throw that one up one more time. Yeah? There we go. It's a good eye. There we go, flip it. So I was having fun with these mission statements, uh, and I saw some of these other ones that like mine were kind of like making fun of things, like making jokes about them, uh, either groups or companies. Like one was, we are experts at claiming to be experts. I'm not going to put any business to this, that'd be rude. Uh, another one was, we innovate by taking other people's ideas, repackaging them as our own. Uh, shout out Chris Tomlin for any early 2000s that know. Uh, I was going through, laughing away, and then one did kind of like make me stop and think. And that was this. Our mission is to make everyone else look bad by pointing out their mistakes and flaws so that we look better. Like, as I, as I read that, I looked at my computer screen and I could see my own reflection. I thought, the number one reason that people leave the church is hypocrisy. And I just spent the last hour making fun of businesses' beliefs and values and calling them out for the very flaws that I struggle with. The flaws I was noticing was either I didn't know what their mission statement was, or if I did know what it was, I didn't think that they were living it out. I didn't think they were shaped by their mission statement. So I look at my reflection and I ask the question, do I even have a mission statement? What is it? And the harder follow-up question, is that reflected in my life? Am I saying that I'm about something and actually doing that? Ouch. Now, take a second. Look at yourself. Ask this to yourself. If someone were to watch your day-to-day -day life, what would they say your mission statement was? What do you believe that you are made to do? Maybe for some of you, if someone watched your average week, they would say that your mission statement is here to eat, sleep, and seek the approval of others. Or maybe my mission is to stay as busy as possible to avoid dealing with my past. Or I tough out the weeks so that I can live for the weekend. You, you, you can think of this on your own. What would somebody say is your mission statement if they just watched a week of your life? Now, if you've been with us the last couple weeks, uh, you know we're going through a series called Foundations. Answering the questions of what is Salt Company, why do we all show up, why do we hang out, why do we have small groups, etc. Um, so you heard us talk about the Bible a couple weeks ago, the most validated, impactful written text uh, that tells God's story to us. And Caleb last week talked about community, more specifically how Christian community is different because it gives everybody a seat at the table. Why not stop there? We have the Bible and each other. Love God, love others, the greatest commands that we have. Why not just check the box? Why is there a third foundation if we have the Bible, loving God, and we have each other to love others? Because we don't find those things on our own. If we only have the Bible and Christian community, we're this holy huddle. We're comfortable, maybe talk about the right things. You know, 
add to the conversation a little bit. Maybe, maybe for you that's what your goal has been. Not, not that it's your fault, but maybe your goal was to come in, find people that you like, maybe you heard what was said on stage, you, you like the people around you, you throw in you know, pieces into conversations. Uh, your, your, mission, your mission statement was to find a community of people and maybe hear about God. And, and I'm not saying those are bad things. Those, those are good things. But what if your mission was bigger than you? What if it was bigger than you? If you haven't picked up on it yet, the third foundation of Cell Company, more importantly, third foundation of following Jesus is mission. And so the question we're answering tonight is how do we live on God's mission? If you're a note taker, how do we live on God's mission? With that, if you have your Bible or a phone, uh, you can turn or click uh, with me to uh, 1 Timothy 1. 1 Timothy 1, we'll be camping out in verses... 12 through 17. So the first thing I want us to notice um, before we even start reading is just the title of this section. So if you're in the ESV, your heading, uh, like mine most likely says, excuse me, Christ Jesus came to save sinners. Spoiler. Uh, Now if you're the CSB Bible, uh, that translation has a heading, Paul's Testimony. So these verses are Paul telling Timothy, uh, the name of the book, um, his testimony, his uh, otherwise known as a story of transformation. Now, we we talk about testimonies a lot within the church, uh, and and sometimes in your small groups, you hear people's testimonies, their stories, uh, and sometimes it's an amazing thing, right? Like, it, it stirs your affections for Jesus, it spurs you on, it encourages you. You break out the tissues and you have the tears, you know? It can be a great, great thing. Other times, it, it, it's not quite the same. Maybe you start to get put to sleep because it kind of like keeps droning on. Or maybe other times you hear like way too much. They're almost like proud of some of the things they did in the past. Like, oh. Other times, you don't even know if they know what they're saying. You know, like we've, we've all experienced that to some degree. Now, I'm not saying that some testimonies are better than others or some stories are better than others. What I'm saying is, we look here, Paul is an effective communicator in the Bible. Not only was he an apostle, but what we're reading, as we talked about, is the inspired word of God himself. So, in regards to mission, we know that testimonies and our stories are important to share. And what I want to take away from Paul here is that there's a right way to do it. So we don't bore people, creep people out, put people to sleep. Uh, so there's a right way to do it. Let's see how Paul shares his story. Uh, we'll look at verses 12 through 15 to start. It says this. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. The first thing I want to look at is how Paul talks about himself in his story. If we go back and only read the I am or I was statements, this is what we have. We have, I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And then with some wording swaps, I am 
the worst of sinners. Now, if you don't know Paul's story, you're probably like, what the heck? Opponent? Persecutor? Ignorant? Why are we listening to this guy? Which is a valid question. Uh, I don't have time to dive deep into Paul's whole story because I have to go to the bathroom, but uh, here, uh, here are the cliff notes on Paul's life. Born into a religious, uh, a highly religious culture, very passionate about the Jewish laws and traditions that Jesus was now kind of bringing in to question. And because of this, he started persecuting uh, followers of Jesus, persecuting God's church. Um, and he was preventing people from encountering God, whether he knew it or not. Uh, if you were here a while back when Veritas had a sermon on anger, what we see Jesus getting angry about in Scripture uh, is almost always when people are, are interfering with people encountering God or being in the presence of God. And so Paul is living for the thing we see Jesus getting angry about. This is his goal. He deserves any sort of punishment. He deserves condemnation. He deserves wrath because of how he acted. But instead, God wanted to use him. So he intervenes on the road to Damascus. He told Paul to go to a town, hear from a follower of Jesus. Uh, and, and that is where Paul was transformed. He then goes on to be one of the main writers in the New Testament, uh, one of the earliest uh, pastors, if you will, preachers of the word. Uh, and he spent the rest of his life devoted to following the Lord. So now with that in mind, he's, he's writing down his story with authority from God. It's not his own words, it's from God himself. Because we've already heard that all scripture is what? It's God-breathed. I bet if Paul was just writing out of his own human temptation, this is not how he would choose to present himself. Opponent, ignorant. Without the work of the Spirit of God, Paul would probably want to write more about life after transformation. Or the ministry and imprisonments, you know, these wonderful things that he was doing, these letters that he was writing, that's what he'd, he'd want to talk about. He probably wouldn't want to share about the sins and ignorance of the past. But God wanted to use that part of his story to impact the world. Are we letting God use our story like Paul is? Paul is the example that God chooses to use because his story should be at least somewhat relevant to us. All of us have sinned. We've rebelled against the holy, perfect God. Well, I know not all of us are murderers. That's a little extreme. But most of us have acted in ignorance, just like Paul. In fact, all of us have. So like Paul, we should be using our story as to be an example and a light to others. Not in a, hey, look at me kind of way, but like we see here. Every one of you has a story. Every one of us has a story to tell that has been put into place by God. Both the redemption, which we'll get to in a second, and the hardships of rebellion. It's very clear when reading Paul's testimony that he, he doesn't care about making it seem like he is or was perfect. He doesn't care to be the hero. He wants to be extremely honest about where he's been so that he can give the praise to the one who is worthy. Paul doesn't care about his reputation or how anybody will think about him or see him. All he cares about is faithfully sharing his story because God has called him to. Can we say the same thing about ourselves? Are we sharing the story that God gave us? And if so, are you honest about your need for a savior or are you making yourself out to be the hero? Guys, this is, this is super challenging. 
Culture has, has want, it makes us want to care so much about ourselves, what other people think about us. It'd be really easy for us to minimize uh, our mistakes in order to kind of save face uh, when we're telling someone our story instead of telling people the full truth uh, of where we've been. I've seen that struggle inside of me for a long time. It took a lot of growth to kind of get over that. See, it could be super easy for me to share my story like this. Uh, I grew up in a Christian home with my parents and sisters. I was involved in extracurriculars, made good decisions, got good grades, was a pretty good kid, came to college, enjoyed the salt company, had a pretty good time, so I stuck it out, and now I'm here. Now, while none of that was necessarily a lie, it's just minimizing and taking away the effect that God has actually had on my life. See, because here's, here's how my story actually went. I grew up in a Christian home and put on the face that I was a happy kid that always did the right thing, but inside I was desperate for attention. And it felt like I was just never good enough for people. I struggled on and off with depression, and while I claimed to be a Christian, I struggled with pornography and cussing for over 10 years, and I never even noticed that it was a problem. I didn't care about God's rules, and I was, I was ignorant to the pain I was causing myself and others. I became a habitual liar. I broke relationships with friends, family, even my parents. But God had so much more in store for me in my life. He saw me at my lowest and revealed himself to me. He gave me mercy, grace, and life through Christ Jesus, my Lord, Savior, and Redeemer. He gave me joy like I'd never felt before. People that genuinely cared about me and loved me for exactly who I am. He restored relationships that my sin had torn apart. God rescued me from a pursuit of sin and rebellion. And I can't thank Jesus enough for the opportunities and blessings that he's given me. And I'm going to pursue him with everything I have for the rest of my life because he is worthy of it all. I'm going to scream his name from the top of mountains and let the world know that there is freedom in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Salt Company, we have to be willing to let God use our stories, but it can't be a story about our own merit, strength, or victory. See, the point of Paul's testimony isn't really about him. It's about God. We see this in how he talks about Jesus from the beginning to the end of the text. Even the first three words, I thank him who has given me strength. Not, I am now strong. Because he judged me faithful, appointed me to his service. Not in, I was faithful, so I joined in his service. As you keep going through, you start to see that, yes, it's a customized story fitting to Paul. But the hero of the story, the purpose of the story isn't about him. It's about Jesus. When you tell your story, does it sound like Paul sounds here, or is it closer to, I am strong and faithful because I believe in God? Does your story make you look better, or does it make Jesus look better? Because if your story is all about how you pulled yourself out of a dark time, or even how you had to rely on God through difficulty, the focus and the victory is still on you. We can't be selfish with our story. Or claim a growth or victory that was never ours to claim. If your story is solely focused on you, it's not impactful for the kingdom of God. So how do we still tell our story in a way that is actually impactful? We have to give the victory to Jesus like Paul does in verse 15. 
The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Guys, here lies what God's mission is for us. Paul executes it perfectly for us right here in this text tonight. If we look ahead, 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 4 says, This is good and is pleasing to God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants salvation for all people. He wants it to go out. And it goes hand in hand with the knowledge of the truth. Well, what is the truth? John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Salvation and the knowledge of the truth are available through Jesus and Jesus alone. Not in our merit, not in what we do. That is not where it's at. It's in Jesus alone. So then what are we to do? How do people hear the truth? How are people saved? Romans 10, 13 through 15 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How will they call on him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? We need to be people who are spreading the truth, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. People are saved by God through the gospel of Jesus. And that's on our lips. We need to tell God's story in our story. That is what Paul does here. He leverages his story to relate to people, to tie it in. And then he gives God the glory, and then he opens the door and offers an invitation to others to accept the truth of the gospel. That Christ Jesus came to save sinners. That is God's mission. Not to go to other countries and put on roofs and dig wells. Well, those are good things. That's not what God's mission is. And it, it's not to muster up the strength and do enough good things and, you know, really become a better person. That's not the mission of God. God's mission is for his people to bring the gospel of Christ to those around them and to the ends of the world. God's mission is for his people to bring the gospel of Christ to those around them and to the ends of the world. He uses our stories to do that. Isn't that incredible? He has no reason to bring us into his mission, yet he does. He uses our stories. Guys, here's your takeaway. This is what you should write down. God uses our stories to tell his story to the world. God uses our stories to tell his story to the world. If we want to be obedient to the call of God, the mission for God's people, we must be a people who pursue other people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we use our stories to point to him. And that's true. Paul lays this out for us in verse 16. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, the foremost, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. As we talked about earlier, Paul had a divine encounter with God because God had a specific purpose for him. So he might be an example to even the worst of sinners that Jesus saves. God wanted to use Paul to show Christ's 
perfect patience. What were you saved for? Why did God save you? God has given you a story of transformation. He brought you here to Cedar Rapids, and none of it has been accidental. God saved you to be a light and example like Paul. Maybe your story is that you grew up Catholic and didn't really care about faith, but you had an encounter with God. The gospel became sweet to you. Your life has changed. And that story is meant to inspire the people on your dorm floor that had the same experience as you. Maybe you didn't grow up in the church. You had a terrible home life. You were just angry at God of the world if you even knew him. But Jesus showed you mercy and redemption so that you could use your story to inspire the 25% of people your age who grew up in a single-parent home. God saved you to live his mission out by sharing your story to show off the God who offers salvation. For Paul, that meant going town to town to preach the gospel and writing letters to the church. How do we live it out today? How do we practically live out God's mission? Well, the first step is believe in the gospel. Believe in the gospel. I understand there are a few of you who have been hearing gospel, sacrifice, Jesus, testimony, and it's Christianese that just doesn't quite make sense to you. Everything that we do as a ministry, as a church, and as followers of Jesus should stem from the gospel. The gospel that is, that's what Paul is laying out in verse 15, that Christ Jesus came to save sinners. All of us have rebelled, and in doing that, we inherit punishment. We welcome in things like pain, cancer, death. All these things were not part of God's design, but they became a reality because of sin. It has a unanimous effect on every aspect of our life. We deserve to sit, sit in shame and guilt because of our sin, and moreover, that we deserve eternal punishment in hell because we have not been obedient to the commands of God. But he sent Jesus to die for sinners. Not the self-righteous, not the people who try to earn their way, not the people who look to other sources of life. Jesus is the way. Jesus died in your place, lived the life you were supposed to but have failed to, died the death you deserve to to take it away from you, and rose again, defeating sin and death for all time. And he offers an invitation for you to spend eternal life with him. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. <clears throat> if there's anything you think that God couldn't forgive you for, I think there's too much in your past. God's grace is perfect. As he displayed perfect patience to Paul, he wants to show that to you tonight. If you need help to take this step, we, Jesus died so that you could live and let go of the chains. Run to Jesus, receive that eternal life. If you need help, to take that step, if you want help to give your life to Christ, if you want to know what that would look like, please find somebody tonight. We want to help you do that. Uh, you can find a student leader or a staff member, a trusted friend beside you um, during worship or, or after the service. Uh, we'll be in the back if you don't like to be around other people. We just want to help you take that step. After accepting the gospel, the next step is learn how to share the gospel with others. Now, before getting too hooked up on our own stories, before getting too caught up in sharing your story, remember that the power is in the gospel. The power is in the gospel. 
So if you haven't taken it yet, or if you want to increase your knowledge of the gospel and how to present it, we have a pretty unique opportunity uh, for you guys starting next week. And it's a class called Gospel 101. Who here is taking Gospel 101 before? Yep. Yeah, plenty of hands. You're going to get more. Come on. So Gospel 101 is a, is a class. We take a few weeks to really focus on what is the gospel? How do we present it to others? Uh, you can expect to have meaningful conversations with student leaders, staff, other people within the class, uh, and leave feeling more equipped to share the gospel with the people around you. Uh, we'll put up a QR code uh, to scan. Uh, I think there's one up here. We'll carry it to the late night tonight as well. Uh, we want to make sure you guys can get signed up. Uh, if you need help finding a link, QR code, find somebody. We will absolutely get it to you. Um, go ahead and get signed up. The cost is $10. Um, that's just the cost for the book. So if you're going to take it again, if you've already taken the class, bring your books. You can save yourself the cost. Uh, but I do want to emphasize this is a very intentional class that's going to help you understand what really is the gospel. How can I actually explain it to somebody else? And you get real practice with other people. That is before Salt Company uh, every Thursday for the next five weeks from 6 to 7.30. So make sure you get signed up so you have a book ready for you. Now, uh, now, I want to address a couple people in the room. I want to take a step back real quick. I realize there's at least two kinds of people in the room. The first kind of person is the one that's like fired up. Like, you're like oh man, like, yeah, I need to do this. Like, I want to get out. I, like, you're ready to run out the doors and go find somebody in the street to share the gospel with. And I applaud that. Like, that's awesome. The majority of you are probably more like me four years ago, where. I had an encounter with Jesus, stirred my affections, I wanted to be obedient, but didn't really know exactly how. Uh, so when I heard about mission or sharing testimonies of the gospel, I plotted the idea. I agreed that someone should do it, but I had designated evangelism to like the special Christians as like, a, like an optional program for like the select uh, few. Um, sorry, not sorry, no one is exempt from God's mission. No matter if you think you're too introverted or if you don't know how or whatever else comes to mind, if you've trusted with Jesus and given your life to him, you are part of God's family and you are called to live on God's mission. So uh, that's just to address myself from four years ago, which might resonate with some of you. So the last step, what do we all move into? If, if God uses our stories to tell his story to the world... How do we use our stories? So how we use our stories, maybe you're kind of struggling with the balance of telling people uh, about God through your story. Like, how do I talk uh, about me? How much do I talk about God? How do I make it uh, about Jesus? Paul gives us the example from the text tonight. One example many of you are familiar with, whether you knew it or not, is from one of the greatest sports movies of all time, other than Remember the Titans. Yep. That's it. Yep. The Sandlot. Yes. Who here has seen the cinema? I have to know. Okay. At least it's still a majority. That's great. Somebody hadn't seen the cinema. Where's Caleb? Anyway. Um, and so, uh, in the movie, uh, once again, I'm not going to explain everything, but uh, the, the main character, narrator of the story, is Scott Small. Small is a baseball he stole from his dad, hit over a fence, but it was signed by Babe Ruth. They couldn't get it back. They had this like, big like struggle, like all these different contraptions, trying to get the ball back. Really funny story, but the whole movie is focused on Scott Small's failure and how they get out of it. Now, while Scott Smalls is the one telling the story, he's the main character, the narrator, he gives all the praise to the character named Benny. Benny the Jet Rodriguez. What a name. He's the hero of the story. Uh, and this is actually, this is the opening scene. This is how Scott Smalls begins telling his story. 
There's one all-time greatest moment in the history of sports, and it happened in the 1932 World Series. The story goes, in the bottom of the ninth inning, with two outs, a full count, and a tying run on base, Babe Ruth raised his arm and pointed to the center field bleachers. No one believed it because nobody had ever done it before, but the Babe was calling his shot. On the next pitch, the great Bambino hit a towering 400-foot home run. And even though he'd been a hero before that, that's pretty much how he became a legend. 30 years later, a kid by the name of Benjamin Franklin Rodriguez became a neighborhood legend. It was in the greatest summer of my life when he taught me to play baseball and he became my best friend and he got me out of the biggest pickle I'd ever be in. See, Smalls gives credit to Ben. Like it's clear, he, throughout the movie, Small is quick to explain how insufficient he was, the mistakes he made, and, and how much help he needed, and then makes Benny look like the coolest dude ever. He was my hero growing up. Like, this kid was awesome. PF Flyers. He was the coolest dude. He saved him from certain death from his, his stepdad. That's how we should share our story. We should be quick to admit our need for a savior by expressing the, tr- the struggles of sin that we have faced. We should tell of how the gospel of Jesus intervened and provided hope and give God the glory, as it says in the final verse of our text tonight, verse 17. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Guys, everything that we do has to be for the glory of God. If it isn't to honor and glorify God, nothing that we talk about tonight matters. If our stories, our worship, our mission... If it's about us, it's worthless. If we live for ourselves, we're hypocrites. Believe in the gospel. Go to the people around you who aren't living for Jesus. Use your story to share God's story with them and give glory to the God who saved you. And guys, the hardest part of evangelism, sharing our stories, is our own heart. We get in our own way. Our heart wants the story to be about us. Our heart wants to tell the story with us as the hero. Our heart doesn't want to share God's story out of fear of what other people might say. And so in a minute, we're going to be praying for ready hearts. Because we need to be people who will risk everything for the sake of mission. We need to be people who share the gospel. We need to be convinced that the glory of Christ is worth it. And it will change lives. So in just a minute, that's what we will pray for. A couple reminders. Afterwards, tonight, uh, we're having a late night talking about global missions. Uh, so far tonight, everything has been uh, more broad. What is mission? Talking about how do we live on God's mission. Uh, tonight, we want to invite you uh, up to the connector room right after this. We'll head up there to talk about the nations, talk about worldwide. How do we bring the gospel to people who otherwise would have no access to it? Uh, we'll have a cereal bar. Don't forget that. I was told to say that. Um, also, we'll probably throw up the QR code again at some point uh, for Gospel 101. Either get it up here, ask your connection group leader, or bring the sign upstairs. We want to make sure you get signed up for that. Um, so please take the opportunity. You'll never get as much knowledge of the Gospel, experience sharing the Gospel, uh, and people to have those conversations with for the same $10 fee. Uh, you won't really find that anywhere. Uh, so make sure you get signed up. We'll have a book ready. Uh, so yeah, guys, it, it can be scary and intimidating to think about mission. Uh, and looking inwardly to see the areas that we forget to be shaped by God's mission, I want us to be people who can humble ourselves and approach God in prayer. So if you guys will join me in standing, uh, if you feel led, you can get on your knees. I just want to hold our hands in front of us with palms up. As Wayne just kind of 
letting go, to let go of the control, or the comfortability, and listen to God. You can go ahead and close your eyes. I'll pray for us, uh, and then I'm going to leave some space for you guys to pray individually. Dan will come up and start. Feel free to take time and ask God to soften your heart. Ask God to send you. Ask God to use your story to inspire other people towards Christ. Ask Him to be used for His mission. God, we thank You. You are so good, so perfectly patient and merciful. You can accomplish all things on your own. You have no reason to step into our lives. You have no reason to use us. We don't offer you anything you do not already have, but yet you have mercy. You welcome us into your family through Jesus. You give us the hope of a future of eternal life with you. And you use our stories to bring that to other people. The truth of Jesus, the truth of the gospel, that's available to all who will believe. God, soften us. Send us. Help us to be people who go out with the gospel of Christ quick on our lips. Help us to not make ourselves out to be the hero of our own story. Help us to give all the glory and praise to the one who's actually worthy, the one who deserves it. God, send me.